0: Welcome to this week's Treasury Career Corner podcast where I interview treasury professionals about their treasury careers. Each and every week I talk to treasurers about how they build their careers, where they are now, where they see both themselves and the treasury profession going to next. And a special thanks to Flywire, our fantastic sponsors. If you've ever wondered whether there was a way to ease your international transaction hassles, they're the guys to talk to. If you follow the link in our show notes, you can see me talking to my mate Greg Levin their senior VP of sales I get to ask Greg about who are Flywire and how they can help you and your treasury team with your cross-border payment headaches just follow the link to the interview in today's show notes and now let's get on with the show So this is the UK segment of our compilation episode. You can listen to the full episode if you want, or this is just the focus on the UK where I talk to Craig Perkins about the current state of the UK treasury recruitment market. Well, enjoy the show. So we're talking about the outlook for 2024. I've got the lovely Craig Perkins. We will talk to Katie later in the show. So Craig heads up our UK division. Katie leads on Europe and I focus more on the senior level, and the US. That's where I'm spending a lot of my time. But Craig is all in on the UK. We've got some great events coming up in 2024. We've got one in April, and we've got one later on in the year, a couple, actually, one in June and one in November. So looking forward to seeing lots of treasury professionals. But before then, Craig, can you maybe talk about what the state of the UK treasury market is? Are there shortages? Where, where are you seeing the the challenges, if you like?
1: Yeah, thanks, Mike. There's definitely been quite a substantial, noticeable ramp up, quite a good time in the market in terms of a lot of internal teams making the most of the speculation of people thinking, what might be out there for me? So you do see a lot of that, and especially we talk around the program analyst, the program manager level of the market. That There has been you know, a decent amount of things out there. I'd almost go as far as to say the amount of opportunity probably outweighs their need, you know, that, that shortage of talent, where actually the amount of talent in the market, the shortage is due to the amount of opportunity that is, is on the market at the moment. if not as strong as some of the more prominent times of the year, but definitely in terms of the need for specific skills, yeah. <laughs> It does bed like that kind of sorted, Mike.
0: So, Craig, are there any particular areas which are in highest demand or the most difficult to recruit? What are you seeing again from the UK?
1: What I would say on that note is, and something that I did find going through most of Q4 of last year as well is the, the, the ongoing demand for you know, qualified treasury accountants. I can quite comfortably say, following a, a, a quite, quite a good number of conversations in our market. Introductions to new people even outside of our outside of our network. That just because you've got really a treasury account, the treasury analysts out there who are becoming qualified ACCA, CIMA qualified. Uh, the general consensus is that some of these people who have even gone through these, quali- these qualifications don't really necessarily want to get into treasury accounting. They want to utilise those skills to do other more operational things within treasury, you no. Know, and I think that's one of that's been one of the biggest challenges I found. And it's it's not a problem. I mean, to want a broader experience is fantastic. Uh, but it's certainly one thing that's proved more of a challenge that people are more wanting broader remits now.
0: But if they do want to go into sort of that middle office treasury accounting role, elevated salaries a good good area to go to springboard your career. Do you think?
1: I would say so, and absolutely making it very clear. If you've become a qualified, become fully qualified accountant within your current company, and they're not going to be able to utilise your full, your new, your new full skill set, let's say, oh, um, less. then they, yeah, or less than you then you're going to be looking externally for those opportunities, and and they're going to, and they're going to pay well. I've had a number of conversations with clients uh, and potentially new clients recently, even in January where they told me about that their analysts and their team have recently become qualified or very close close to becoming from last year and, and when they might be coming this year. And I've sat down with them and gone, okay, you want to have that pay review. But when that's going to when that's going to line up, I don't mean that in a jest at all.
0: But again, if you are more qualified, I do sometimes, particularly when we come on to education qualifiers in the UK, mm. and that's an interesting one because sometimes when... We're talking a bit further in the conversation, but when people get a treasury qualification, for instance, they then go back to their bosses and say, Look, "I'm I'm more qualified. I'm I'm more useful to you," and they say, "Yeah, but we paid for that qualification," and they say, "Yeah, but now I'm in higher demand." do we get a pay rise and sometimes they're like yeah i'll talk to you about it six 12 months whoa hang on that's when often i know that we get these sometimes the lists come out say yeah they've qualified they're qualified and a lot of the time unless there's recognition of that internally that people will approach us on that part educational qualifications in the uk katie and i talked about it in europe it's less prevalent that they want a, a formal education degree level and things like that that's one of the things they want and then maybe looking at treasury qualifications in the us there's the ctp i know in the uk it's slightly different isn't it that the act with their qualifications do you find that yourself or that everyone's saying you must have a qualification
1: that's a good segue into that actually mike and yes I, I would you do tend to find at the more not entry level but at the kind of the most beginning of that journey to the more mid-level of someone's treasury career Right. it is pretty it is prominent terms of an expectation I would say uh, not so much in terms of needing to be a qualified accountant unless you're going down that kind of route and like I said to you backtracking slightly even if you've got those accounting qualifications I wouldn't be assuming that those people want to go into that part of it or of treasury they want to have a bit more broadness which is we'll talk about that a bit later in terms of being one of the main reasons people are looking to looking to make that shift over to something else but the ACT is definitely uh, prominent at that at the more entry-level, mid-level of the market. Certainly, if, you're quali- if you can be through your years and your tenure qualified for experience, it's not as relevant. It, it's always going to be highlighted on a job description. It always will be. That's not going to change. But certainly, the need for it, if you've got good experience and you've got a good narrative and you can talk through that experience, you can give really great examples of projects you've been involved in, it, it's not as required. But certainly, if, if you, the question will be asked. And I can always you, yeah. every single time, what? Why have you not done this, or have you considered this? Because also they are thinking one of the best ways we're going to retain, and this will come another thing later, Mike. We're going to retain this talent is are going to offer study support. If this person's got no interest in doing it, then it's <laughs> it's a notch to the belt they can't use. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: And and actually flipping round the question, so that's a question to a candidate, if you like, about are you going to study? Uh, have you got qualified and things like that. The flip side, which we've seen, is about candidates asking clients about their working style practices, and obviously hybrid. Now, again, covering Europe, Katie said it was early adopters. I think they were actually doing it pre-pandemic and things. US went all the way through and back, and then we've come to five days a week sometimes, and that's most negative effect on short list, if you like. I've had a couple of clients. Oh, we're five days a week in the office we am going look. Only one in twenty people wants to be in the office. Took five days a week, so they've actually had to move to that hybrid or just literally not be able to recruit people. Is that similar for the UK? Different approach. What are you seeing for the UK with maybe candidates? Is it are they asking that as soon as they pick up the phone, or what's the situation?
1: I would say, Mike, about we're about two three years in now aren't we to yeah. when all these changes really took effect most the vast majority of companies as a whole and certain treasury departments have settled in now they've embedded in these new ways of working whether that be through company policies or it's at the line manager's discretion which is still quite a common thing but that doesn't necessarily give certainty if someone's moving into a new role they, and people want that certainty I would actually say in the UK, one thing I have noticed, and this has been all the way through December and, and January, speaking to lots of clients and companies in the market, in the corporate space, is that it has actually been quite industry specific. You know, we look at companies where you've got heavy amounts of workforces within like engineering or logistics, where a lot of the workforce can't work remote. So there's that uniformity approach and they want to have. Yes, they want to be collaborative, but they're also thinking, well, most of our workforce can't be remote so actually we're going to try and make it you know fair across the field right, and, so those, and so those companies you know are using that as their narrative <laughs> but they know the challenges that's going to present them because the majority of people and, and the london average as an example is two to three days a week in the office yeah. some of the companies in your, your oxford cambridge areas are being even more flexible to encourage people you know into those areas so we're seeing that but one of the most important things I would note around companies, employees, employees embracing hybrid is to understand that a lot of great a lot of great talent out there have, have, have adapted their lifestyle. I've had a number of conversations this week with really senior professionals in the market where, you know what, during COVID they bought a dog or they started a family and they've got a young family. So actually when they're doing like you know, preschool drop-offs or, they're, or they, 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 there's an adaptation and it and those people are going to be off the market, those companies. And they do accept that. They do know that they're fishing in a smaller pool. And we, we have to be partner with them to tackle those challenges. But there's definitely going to be a lot more options to you because most people are looking for what they're at now. Yeah. You know, w- w- with their current employees. And a lot of people look in the market when their companies make blanket judgments around the working, the working situation. It, it's almost like a company doing an office relocation. If you tell everyone all of a sudden you're coming in most of the week, it has the same impact.
0: And from that you and I have talked very much about salaries we were on our salary survey and everything else and I know that I've sent you for instance just past couple of days the most recent snapshot of why people are wanting to be in a job and we're talking about we do a salary survey and everyone said oh so it's about the salary then and actually it's not and it talks about that hybrid working and and all the other things and just looking at that Craig, what are the is it the same when it seems to be the same across the piece, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, we were talking around how these companies are retaining that talent and in salaries, one of the main reasons for people to make a move. I think it would be fair to say don't look to move for the same or less money. Unless they they really have to. That's situational. But for the vast majority of people, they they are looking for that step up, but it's balanced out with that way of working.
0: And we talked there, Craig, a bit about hybrid being back in the office and some of those things, but what are the other key factors retaining treasury talent? Because beyond salaries, which we we do our salary survey and everything else, we found it's not like that as well. And I know with the particularly the UK portion, you were the one that originally said, Mike, can we ask a question about why people are happy or unhappy in their roles? What have you found?
1: Yes, absolutely. It's pretty important to know that piece. Funny enough, the most. Prominent one, and this happens on on multiple times a day. When we're having phone calls, or even with the salary survey results, it's very much those that relationship with your your direct line manager is, is very important. People stick around in in jobs largely down to so even if they don't feel like they're necessarily getting market rate, because actually they really value the partnership and the approach to work. So that good kind of work life balance, the relationship you have with your line manager, with your boss. You're having that friendly, supportive team around you and the broadness of your role, if you're pigeonholed into what you're doing, and that goes in the salary survey, like might the result. I'm pretty confident all come above that yeah. the, the salary you're getting paid.
0: Okay. And then I don't, we don't want to take too much time with the listeners and things like that. But overview of the outlook, if you like, for 2024, what are you seeing from the UK market? We Katie and I talk about Europe and US later on in the show, but what are you seeing from the UK?
1: Yeah, I think in the UK market this year, if it tails off the back end of the last quarter last year and it carries on January as it is, there's going to be a good amount of opportunity out there. And so you're going to have the opportunity to be able to make good, informed decisions. And I think one thing is really important to bear in mind, and this is where we're mentioning myself here and mentioning what we do. It's important to note that when you look at opportunities that might be direct with companies, it's important to realise that your narrative and the story and your why isn't something that shows on your CV profile. And to, to be able to have a, a, an ability where someone can articulate that for you. Because if you upload your profile with all these opportunities that might be on the market, yeah, you might get to meeting, but you don't really understand if it's the, the place you would want to work. To understand the culture beforehand, because someone might describe the culture of a company or on a job description but yeah, you, you're taking it at face value what that team will look like how that's going to structure out and is it going to improve upon what you're off, off, what you're, you're on at now think the outlook is going to look positive i think it's important that people make good informed decisions and look look for guidance and support we, we give out free advice we are very happy to do that on all sides of the coin whether you're a candidate or, or, or a client and we want to advise on that piece and i think embracing that part where you know having someone else be able to explain your why you've been in the role rather than just taking a cv is is going to be it's going to be very important this year
0: yeah and i think actually you've got the experience we've got as a firm 25 plus years experience it's not a sales pitch it's more just a statement of fact some of our competitors you like they've lost their treasury teams or their treasury teams have headed off to across into europe and everything else whereas we're still here. You're covering the UK. I'm covering the world, if you like, and a lot more US. Katie's here for Europe. It means that you've got three incredible consultants. I don't big us up on the podcast that much. But the fact is, if you want advice, call us. If you're looking to recruit, call us. But Craig, thank you very much. Any closing words for the UK, bar what I said? And we're going to move on. Then I'm going to talk to Katie a bit more.
1: Yeah, just just one final point, actually. This is based on a call I had very recently with someone really great in the market, was telling me they'd uh, applied for a job they were really interested in and directly, which was absolutely fantastic. And I said, no, hopefully you'll, you'll hear back. but well, they hadn't heard back, and it had been about two weeks. And I actually said to them, can I just ask you why it is that opportunity? was? What, what was it about that was really right so I can help you with other things you might yeah. have on the go come up in the future? And, gave, and this person gave me a really great why, a really good reason. And I said to them, the shame about it is, is that they don't know that. And it's just a shame that there wasn't an the opportunity to be able to tell them, not just right. me, but someone, someone's been able to tell them on their behalf. And that's our unique position with our clients. And even if we're not currently working with with these companies, to be able to give someone a narrative as to why, because otherwise they're taking your profile at face value. Mm. And we, we can add that value, right? We want to be a partner. We want to make sure it's the right thing. and if, if I think someone will apply for something and I've done this recently, and I don't think it's the right fit for them.
0: I'll be we'll very honest.
1: I'll, I'll, really, I'll tell them. Yeah, you know, if you're, yeah, if you're going into a role right, your weight class, I'll tell
0: you. <laughs> Great stuff. Thanks, Craig. We're going to move on to Katie. Thank you very much. Cool. Thanks, Mike. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Wanted to catch up with you at the end of today's podcast to invite you to join us in 2024 at one of our Treasury Career Corner Live events throughout the US, throughout Europe, throughout the UK. So we're going to be right the way across. And we start the world tour for Treasury Career Corner Live in New York on Wednesday the 6th and Thursday 7th of March. You don't want to miss them. You're going to be there. If you're in New York, please look it up, register. You've listened to the podcast. You can actually get to meet some of the guests live. You get to meet me live. I've kind of everything, but anyway... No, I hope you'll come and join us, Talking Treasury Careers. Each event starts at 6 o'clock with registration 6.30 to 7.30. I meet with the guests. I talk to them on a live panel. It's a live version of the podcast, after all. And then we do networking drinks. So the first one, say, in New York, in Times Square. and then we actually move on. We've only got 65 people per night that. So we're booking up and then we're hitting the road. We're doing Treasury Career Corner Live in cities across the US, UK and Europe. We'll be at Kyriba Live in Las Vegas. We'll be at Texpo in Houston. We're also stopping off in Dallas. And then we've got other of our own events in Chicago, London, Athens, Luxembourg, Frankfurt. What could be better? So if you keep an eye on the website, we'd love to see you there. Keep an eye out for dates and venues. We're coming to a city near you. If you want to connect with us, just reach out to me. Can't wait to see you in 2024. Treasury Career Corner Live, the world tour. See you soon.